Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and they them pronouns a community engagement manager at MCP and I'm joined by Modern Classrooms expert mentor and newly ISTE certified educator Cecilia Gillum. Welcome Cecilia. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. You and I have known each other for quite some time now. So it's just really, I can't even believe that I'm just now having you on the podcast. So I'm really excited to continue spending time with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, And so before we get started, what is bringing you joy currently? We talked about this previously, so please share. So what is currently bringing me joy is the fact that I went on a field trip with my students and got them out and involved in nature. And it was just so beautiful to see them away from campus, enjoying and learning at the same time. And of course, the highlight of their day was lunch. I took them to Golden Corral for the buffet and just watching them unwind and not have to scarf their food down in like 25 minutes and actually getting a full hour to just enjoy one another. That was joy. Oh, I can just also visualize that, right? Like there's so much, I know our students just love buffets and food and like anything that's not school food is just so exciting to them. So thank you for giving me that visual um, and just bringing back lots of memories of like taking kids out to eat. Um, So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So Cecilia, this month we're really um, focusing on time management, right? And you are like, I feel like a queen at time management because of all the things that you do. And so before we even dive into all of the things that you do do, tell us about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. Okay. So my name, again, is Cecilia Gillum. I am an educator of 18 years. So I first started teaching in 2005. I am a science teacher. Currently right now I'm teaching AP Environmental Science and Environmental Science to ninth and 10th grade students. And kind of actually what got me started with Modern Classroom Project was actually through Screencastify. So I was a certified coach for Screencastify and they sent out this um, email and it was like, hey, do you want to do Screencastify plus MCP? And they were offering scholarships. Now, the way luck fell, I didn't get the scholarship. I got placed on a wait list. But in the email that they sent, it was like, well, while you're waiting, just go ahead and check out their website. And so I was like, let me let me go ahead and do that. Usually I don't, but for whatever reasons, I was led to do it. Then I ended up joining the Facebook group. And then from there, it kind of just kept going. I was like, well, they offer a scholarship. Why don't I just go with theirs? And if it's meant to be, it'll be. And obviously it was meant to be. I got the, uh, excuse me, the virtual scholarship, went through the process, loved it because I love the way that it stretched me it challenged me and just caused me to start thinking outside of the box because I was already doing some of the stuff, just not under modern classroom. And then from there, it just it kept growing. I was like, OK, I got this modern classroom certification. Now I got to become a distinguished modern classroom educator. And when it got that and I'm going to shut up in a second, but the um, becoming an expert mentor actually came from doing a meetup when I went to ISTE this summer. 
and I got to meet other um, distinguished modern classroom educators. And they heard my story and was like, why aren't you an expert mentor? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, well, I didn't really want to put in the, the paperwork. You know, like I didn't want to do the back end work. And I was like, you're already doing it. And so that just pushed me. And I was like, you know what? I promise you, I am going to do that once I get home. And I did. And now here I am. Oh, I love that journey so much. And it's so incredible to Cecilia because you and I met at ISTE in 2022, 2021. One of them. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, it's it's wild, right? And so I I again just really appreciated everything that you've taught me throughout the many months that we've known each other. And also shout out to Screencastify. Hands down, probably one of my favorite tools out there because it was just so user-friendly and my students also loved it. And so that's a great way. I think you're like the first on our podcast to say that you learned about MCP through one of our partners and um, that is an ed tech uh, tool. And so that's that's really, really, really dope. Uh, so we're just so excited to have you in our community. Um, okay, so you've presented at a lot of conferences like ISTE, LeQ, and more, right? And so what are the key benefits of presenting at education conferences and how can educators and professionals best prepare to make the most of their conference presentation experience? Well, one thing that I love is that the networking opportunities and what I always set out, like how I actually started getting in on this presentation thing, it was because I was like, okay, I have left my mark in a classroom. Now I need to replicate this, but through other educators. If I train other educators on the things that I'm doing in my classroom, that can multiply it. And then more students will get the opportunity to be immersed in like a flipped classroom setting. Because most educators I meet are afraid of the process. And I'm like, listen, I promise you, if once you flip your class and you start doing this, like the revolution in your mind and your spirit and your body is going to change because no longer... Am I like the sage on the stage? Um, so anyway, I wanted to spread that joy. So that's kind of what got me into doing it. Um, and let's see, best prepared to make the most of their conference presentation experience. I just say, treat it like how if you were with students. You know, I think that's what works for me. I don't get intimidated by the fact that it's adults because I'm like, at the end of the day, we're all learners. So I look at it like through the lens of these are learners. And if I'm coming and bringing this experience, um, that's what I do. And then the other thing that I do in my presentation that I found that most people like is I don't just talk about it. I show people about it. Like I show you what I'm doing in my classroom. Cause look, I record all the time. My, my kids are so desensitized to being recorded till it's not even funny. Like they almost now like you show sure you got me. And I'm like, well, it's not about you. It's just about, so, you know, and then making sure that I make it real and bringing in real world elements. And I also tell them like of my pitfalls, like when I first started, was it perfect? I tell people, no, it wasn't. I flopped, but I kept going. And, you know, I think that's the part that helps me. And I think it's also like that vulnerability piece, right, Cecilia, of just saying and admitting it failed. And I continue to iterate and make sure to make those changes that will work best for me and my students, right? And so I think sharing that story and hearing that, I know as an educator, I'd be like, okay, that's that's good. It's good reassurance. It's a good reminder. And it's also good permission to like just fail, right? Uh, another thing that I was thinking about too is when when I create learning experiences for our community, I also think about me as a learner. Like what would I like 
right? How do I best learn and how do I create this space, this learning space for adult learners to make it more engaging, to make it more impactful and not just me talking at them the entire time. I mean, like really Cecilia, you know, you and I, educators for a while, we have been in in some of the PDs that are have just been very dry, <laughs> questionable, right? And so creating this this learning um, space for adults is really, really important to me. And that's, I feel like that's one of the best ways to prepare, right? For that conference experience is like, look within yourself, your inner, like, how do you, how are you as a learner? How do you want this learning experience to be for you? And then create that space for others as well. And, and I really, really like that. And also just the networking piece. So, I mean, again, like you and I met at a conference, right? And so the networking piece is really, really great. And I know that conferences can be overwhelming sometimes. And, um, and so for me, when I go to conferences, I always have a goal of like, I just want to meet two people today, two people. And when I walk into like rooms and sessions, I also just like look around and say like, okay, who do I want to sit with today? Uh, based on like a bag that they have or their outfit or like, you know, like it's a really great, like intentional way of, of networking with folks as well. And I mean, another thing too, Cecilia, that I, I'm just in awe of is that I have not presented at a lot of conferences myself. And so when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, you're a freaking rock star. Like, I just want to like be a fly on the wall and just follow you around and see how you engage and how you, you plan all of this out. And so, so I'm, again, like I am still also just like, fanning over you of just like all the great work that you do. So I'm excited that our listeners are able to hear exactly your thought process and how you do what you do uh, and, and just continuing to get accepted and like proposal, like the proposals that you write. And so with that being said, it's a segue, right? Like, can you share some tips and strategies for crafting, engaging and informative conference presentations that resonate with diverse audiences, whether you're addressing fellow educators, admin or stakeholders in the education sector? So you really touched on a lot of the things. Um, when I'm preparing, I ask, what do I want? If this were me in the audience, how would I want this material to be presented to me? And then I guess I do get a slight advantage because I do come from an underrepresented group. So I kind of understand. And I just think from the lens of all my educational experiences and all the professional developments that I've been to, I was able to say, okay, what do I like? What do I not like? And then also it helps that I feel like a lot of people like tell me all the time, like you're dynamic. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that in another life, I used to actually be a virtual teacher for um, VIP kids and I used to work for um, iTutor. And so because I used to have to have all that high energy from that, like the total physical response, that's what it was, TPR. They used to say, you have TPR. And so I bring that to my presentations. And so it almost feels like it comes alive. And then I think the other strategy is that I come from like a family of preachers. And so I guess we were just always naturally loud and have these inflections in our voices and stuff like that. And I find that that captivates people and just, you know, keep them in. And then like I always tell people at the end of the day, I can only be me. So you will authentically get me in the presentation. And so I always try to tell people, you have to be yourself, bring yourself there and then see what other elements from maybe other presentations you've been to. Because one thing, we're not going to be bored. And then, oh, I guess the other 
a tip I would say is in my um, presentations, it's always this immersive piece. I do use Pear Deck. I am a certified coach for Pear Deck. So really Pear Deck is how I got my start because way back when, in order to get it for free, you had to share the pair. And so because of that, that is really what landed me in because all I wanted was free Pear Deck. And so I started like with them. And then from there, it just kept growing and growing and growing. So shout out to Pear Deck for, um, they don't have that program anymore, but it was awesome. And that's really what got me on the world of presenting at conferences. You know, that's really interesting because I do remember that. I I remember when Pear Deck came out and I was like so excited about it. And I've used it so much as well. And like the, the, first few years that I was teaching and I was just like, whoa, this is so great. Like talk about engaging and talk about like getting that instant feedback from, from our students. Right. And so share the pair. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and I also really appreciate too, the fact that um, you highlighting that you are showing up as authentically as yourself. Right. And I think that that in itself is really, really, really important. Uh, I know. And it's kind of scary sometimes to be ourselves authentically because we don't know what that space is like for us. And I think there's always that push of like, no, like I'm going to be me and people are either going to like me or not like me. And I'm going to share my stories and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be receptive and open and curious and uh, responsive. And so it's just like, it's, it's really... I like that piece of just like, don't forget who you are and show up as yourself and then it'll be engaging, right? Because you are passionate about this thing because if you are not passionate about it, you wouldn't be presenting about it, right? And I really like this whole high energy thing too, because there's been lots of studies too, that like it only takes one person to change the mood of a room, of a group, right? And so high energy is also really great. Um, And it just kind of reminds me of that commercial, Cecilia, of the guy with the dry eyes. And he just like really talked in a very monotone. <laughs> Bueller guy, like Bueller. Uh, yes. And it's just so interesting that, um, yeah, the in, the the tone, right? And the, the, the way that our voice sounds is also really Im- important when it comes to creating an engaging and informative conference um, presentation, right? Um, and so something to the, to consider when you think about the conferences that you're applying for or that you're putting in proposals for, Cecilia, um, this is kind of like off script and, it, you know, just the question that I, I came up with. Uh, how do you determine, like, how do you choose the conferences that you're going to write proposals for? So initially, I would stick to what I knew. So a lot of the conferences were always like science teacher conferences, and more ed tech conferences. Um, but now I guess since I've been in a conference presentation game and I people are starting to kind of hear about, you know, Cecilia Gillum and what she does, now I start getting like, hey, you know, an email like, I think that you should apply for this. And so, you know, so now I'm getting connected to other things. And again, that just expands my network and expands my thinking and pushes me to like not become complacent in what I do. And so now, you know, I have to curate my presentations depending upon the audience because some presentation committees are like really loose. And then some are like, no, I need you to change this, 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 and that. So a lot of that has allowed me to like lose again another layer of skin because I'm like, okay, you know what? 
I'm just thankful and grateful that you are giving me a platform to showcase what I'm doing. And so now it, I just apply to, I feel like right now I'm walking in my purpose, like my divine purpose and that everything that is meant for me to do keeps flowing to me. And I just keep going and I say, you know what? All right. If I'm supposed to be, look, Nesby, I didn't think that I was going to get that, but you know, I got it. And remember with the I wasn't going to do it. And then at the last minute I was like, but you know what? Let me just go ahead and put my name in the hat. What, what's, what can happen? You know, so it's, it's those kind of things now that I just feel like I go where the flow brings me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good way to start too. like start with what you know right? Like you were really passionate about ed tech. So that's what you started with. You teach science. So that's what you started with. There's so many local and national conferences for the things that you know already. So definitely like look into those and you could even start off as simple as like leading a PD at your school, right? And then getting comfortable with being in front of other adults, and getting that practice in. And this is, again, like another great segue for our next question. You know, many educators feel apprehensive about public speaking. I've heard time and time again, that like, oh no, I love kids and I'm doing great stuff with my kids. I don't know how to do it with the adults, right? Like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. I don't know if I want to talk to adults right now. And like, rightfully so, Cecilia, I, I still think like kids are, are greater than adults. <laughs> they are, they um, are. <laughs> so I, I get the apprehensiveness of like, you got to be in front of a group of um, folks who may question everything that you're putting out there, right? So that, that's really scary to think about. And so what advice can you provide to help educators build their confidence and effectively convey their insights and expertise when presenting at education conferences? So I live by the Q-tip principle. It, it has guided me. And I learned this um, way back when I was in college. I was a uh, um, I worked in a call center. I worked for Sprint, Sprint PCS. And when we were in our training class, we came up with like, I guess our motto, and it was called Q-tip, quit taking it personally. And then understanding that sometimes you just happen to be the face, but maybe they have this built up frustration that has nothing to do with you. So a lot of times, because I use the Q-tip mindset, I don't worry about what people say or what they may do because I know that again, I authentically showed you this is how I do it. And then also when I do my presentations, I say, look, this is this is not the way. This is a way. And so if this doesn't work right for your brain, you know, all I can tell you is take this information that I gave to you and craft it in a way that makes the most sense for you. And then usually because I have like no lie, last summer I did a PD and I was in a room with these adults and I told my friend, I was like, I left. The presentation. I said, I don't know if I did more harm than I did good because that was a tough room. That was my first time ever experiencing that. But I told my friend, I said, I needed that. I, I needed to because because they did that to me. It made me for the next day. I was like, oh, hell to the no. We're going to add this video. We're going to add this slide because I can't ever feel that. And I just have to tell people, take the fear off. And at the end of the day, I don't care. And I really don't. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what they think about me because I'm like, your thoughts don't pay me. That's for one. And then for two, it's just I'm doing the work that I was called to do. And you have to understand that people are not always going to like what you do. I've I've learned that. And I, you know, and that's the thing I tell my students, too. Like, I don't argue with people like because sometimes people are committed to misunderstanding you. So 
So I would just tell people, use a Q-tip. Put one in your pocket if that if that's what you need to do when you go do your public speaking. And know that you're going to have a few naysayers. But for the most part, if you go in there and you give, because people can feel your heart and they can feel your passion. And as long as everything else is going to fall into place. And those little few, like I said, that that one that one presentation I did that was really hard to get through, it just made me stronger. It made me just become a better person. That's how I look at it. And I did not go home and cry. I just went home and fixed it. <laughs> Cecilia, I love the realness right now. Like I appreciate it so much because again, that's such a great reminder, right? Q-tip, I've never heard of that before, but quit taking it personally is something that I've heard multiple times, right? And I have to agree with you about the passion. The amount of people that I've met and the amount of people that I've kept in my life is because of my, like how passionate I am with what I'm talking about. Right. And so it, it's so wild to think about how, again, the amount of people that I've met have just come through and be like, Hey, you're really passionate about this thing that you're talking about. I want to know more, like, tell me more. Right. So when your passion shines through, people are so attracted to it and they want that energy. And, and like you said too, you know, we can't please everyone. There's no way. There's no way of pleasing everyone. And so when we have, you know, when we're we're scared of being upfront because of what could be said, I think it's limiting us, right? It's not limiting them. It's limiting us and our capacity and our capabilities and our skill set as well. And so that's a really nice reminder of like, quit taking it personally because you're right. Like when they are hashing out, it may be because they had a bad day. It's very similar to our kids, right? Like it's so similar to our kids. And so... I think sometimes you forget about that as adults in front of other adults. We sometimes forget that they're humans and that we are dealing with the same stuff that we would deal with in a classroom. It's just that it's just adults that we're dealing with. Right. Um, and I think again, like coming in there with lots of, um, curiosity and compassion, empathy is just really important. And I like that, you know, you were like, Hey, I had a really hard like session. And I've had hard sessions too, when I lead PD at different schools and, oh my gosh, I used to hate that discomfort, Cecilia, but now I embrace it because I know again, that it's like peeling another layer of like, okay, why is this so uncomfortable for me? What is happening and what can I do to even expand my brain even more? Because these teachers have a lot of concerns, which rightfully so. And so how can I make this more effective for them? And like being able to sit and reflect on that. And like you said, not cry because I was a crier, Cecilia. <laughs> I would cry all the, all the time. I don't know where these tears come from, but like I'd be crying and I'm like, what is happening? So now I have a better, like, I can manage it much better now because I know, oh, it's not about me. It's really like there's so many things that are just wrong in the environment or the situation. So people have a lot of feelings. And so I really, really like that too. And then of course, with public speaking, something that I tell educators all the time is like, you are public speaking in front of your kids. You do it every day. So like, just pretend like the audience are just your kids and that is helpful. And then also practice, right? Like, there are times that I've met with educators who have practiced with me, right? Be like, hey, I just want to run through these slides real quick and see how it, you know, how it sounds and just practice, right? So 
practice makes not perfect, but practice makes progress. And that's what we want to keep in. We want to keep in our, um, in our mindset as well, right? Have that Q-tip and then also have that like practice makes progress and start small. So even if it's just, you know what, my team of sixth grade teachers or my team of English teachers, right? Hey, I want to present something to you and I want to, I want to see what your thoughts are. Give me feedback on my presentation or give me feedback on like whether you learned something from what I said, what could I tweak? And I think it's also just like being again, receptive of that feedback, right? And not taking it personally. So if they said, oh my gosh, that was so boring, not taking it personally, just saying like, oh, I need, I need to tweak that then. Right. Um, and so thank you for all of this, Cecilia. I, Q-tip. Now I feel like I have to carry one around all the time because I do. I'm a Pisces. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius, so we kind of close that. But yes, I'm t- and that's what I tell people all the time. Like, like you said, that's a very good tip. Is you know practice with other people, but you have to. I think that I am really receptive to constructive criticism. That that's how I feel like I get better. Whereas I've met people who do not want to be told what they're doing wrong, and I'm like. Well, how will you ever become better if you don't take and receive and do self-reflection? Like I do a lot of self-reflection and that's what I tell my students. It's like, how do y'all think I got to this point? I had to grow and I had to understand that, you know, everything in the first round won't maybe come out right. But I always believe nothing beats a failure, but a try. You just try, you get out there and then you see. And then if, you know, you keep going from there, you keep growing. And again, time and time again, right? mistakes. We learned so much from our mistakes. And another plug for MCP is that like we now have time and space, right, for our kids to make those mistakes and time and space for them to revise those mistakes. It's not like a do it on your own time. It's like, no, we're going to do it on our time together. And so I, that's what I really appreciate about this model too, is the fact that like we can make those mistakes. The perfectionism is something that we're disrupting and and that, that to me is so beautiful. And I think, again, um, having that mindset of like, these are what the students are struggling. Those are also things that adults struggle with too. So keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, like we want to get things right the first time. And then when we don't, we sometimes A, give up, <laughs> B, curse, <laughs> and then C, like come back and do it again. Right. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And so Cecilia, we're talking, we, we talked a little bit about networking, mm-hmm. right? You're so good at it. I think I do a pretty good job of networking as well. But for our listeners and, and, and just the educators in general, like what are some strategies to build meaningful connections with their peers and potential collaborators, especially when they think about presenting at uh, a PLC or their schools or conferences or wherever? Um, I, like I always said, People actually, when they meet me, think I'm this big extrovert. But I tell people, really, I am such an introvert if you really, really knew me. But it's just pushing myself. Look, I'm going to be honest, even up to meeting you. I know, I remember when I almost did not go meet you, which I'm glad that I did because I was like, I'm, I was scared. But then I had to realize, what do you have to lose? And look, and I've gained everything. You know what I'm saying? Like just from that one meeting that I actually almost didn't go to because I went in a restaurant didn't see you. And I don't know if you remember that. And I was like, I, I went to the restaurant. I didn't see anybody. It's like, I'm in here. I'm in here. You know, but that was going to be my excuse, my escape to uh, to tell my mind like, well, you tried it. And so now I, when I approach those networking opportunities, I just, you know, just go in there and, and, and see what it is. And, you know, just talk and like pushing myself 
to become just not such a recluse. And ever since I've done that, I, I, my network really expanded. Like, and of course I wanted to start seeing differently. So I would just tell people, don't listen to that like voice that says run and become, go back to being complacent, get out of that. Because since I have, like, I've never looked back on anything and just doors keep opening. So I would definitely encourage people um, to do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, I was even thinking too, like the way that I maneuver like relationships, right. Um, when I'm joining a large space, I just say, Hey, can I join y'all? That's like an opening space, right. An opening question. Um, another thing too, that I would do is like, instead of saying, how are you? I just, you know, Hey, what's bringing you joy today? Or, um, you know, what are you reading lately? So that it continues that conversation. And then also like questions like, tell me more, tell me more about what you do right? Oh, I saw that you did this session. Tell me more. And I'd love to see how we can collaborate together. And those are just questions and statements that folks are like, oh yeah, yes, let's collaborate. Oh, let me tell you more about what I do and how I do it. Right. And I think, um, you know, the mindset is like the first thing, right? Really, really quiet that, that voice in your head that says, nah, just go home. Don't do nothing. You're tired. (laughs) Cause Cecilia, I'm also an introvert, which is really hard to believe, right? So hard to believe. And I have to recharge by myself. Like I have to recharge by myself. And again, when I go into like overwhelming spaces like conferences, I have to have a goal in mind of like, okay, to make this not so overwhelming, I'm just going to talk to two people. Like that's it for the day because that's just my capacity and that's okay, right? And if I meet the two people and I'm like, oh, I'm still feeling good, I can go meet another person, right? Um, And so then, you know, I've met my goal, but then I also like feel good. There's no pressure for me to like do more. And so I think like the potential collaborators, like, again, I've met so many dope people just saying like, hey, tell me more about what you do. I'm so curious, right? And and then that itself creates a space for that person to show up as themselves. So you're not asking like very specific questions. You're just allowing for them to share whatever it is they want to share with you. Um, And then you now have this like connection, right? Of just like, okay, here's my ex. (laughs) I hate that Twitter. Here's Twitter. (laughs) And let's like connect. Right. And so I don't know. It's, 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 like little moves like that, that has really, um, that has really helped me out when it comes to like conferences and finding people to collaborate with. Um, and then of course, like finding those connectors, right? Like look at your professional circle and see like, who is a connector who mm-hmm. is always like connecting you with other folks. Cause that also is really, really powerful. Right. Um, and, and like you've said, Cecilia with like, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is my purpose. It's just kind of flowing my way and I love it and I'm taking it all in. And I think it also deals with like your intentions, right? Like what you're putting out there um, and manifesting. And so um, a quote that I really like to, it says, imagine how we would be if we were less afraid. I just like keep that in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I wonder how we would be if we were less afraid, if we just like went for it and, and, and did all of that. Right. So again, a lot of it stems from our heads, from yes. our inner self. Mm-hmm. Try to disrupt that or talk kindly to it. Have a conversation with that thought in your head, right? Um, and then just go for it. The worst that could happen, there's really no worst that could happen. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And that was the key pieces for me. It was putting that stuff aside and just daring to be different. Because I'm like, do you want to stay 
you know, in this space? Or are you with like, what are you trying to do? So like you said, being intentional about what it is that I want to do. And I was like, well, I want to meet more people. I want to network. So it's like, what do you have to do to get there? You know, and then that's what, you know, allowed me to kind of like start opening up, thinking about like, what is it I need? You know, what do you need to do? Or, and then like, again, once, cause like, the doors open, once you meet one person, like you said, those connectors and they introduce you to somebody else. And, and it just, it really does keep going that way. And another thing that I learned at actually at ISTE conference, there was this little app, it was called Popple, where you can put all of your information on and people could just scan it and they'll have like all of your social medias. Because when I went there, I was like, oh my God, everybody has this thing. And it, and that was great. And that was easy for us to transfer the information so that we could keep in contact with one another. So just, you know, another way and then adding them and then starting to follow them. Like, oh my God, you're doing great things too. And so, you know, that's what I always tell people. Yeah. Technology has just changed so much, enhanced a lot of the things that we do, right? Especially when we're intentional with it. Um, and another thing too that I was thinking about too, Cecilia, is... If you're afraid or hesitant about submitting a proposal, which it's all valid, right? Find a teacher bestie to do it with, and then you can kind of do it together. And then it wouldn't feel so harsh by yourself, right? And when we talk about community, um, I always, you know, this is something that I always like to say too, is like, find someone to do it with. Mm -hmm. And it's that much more enjoyable because you have a thought partner, you have someone who's going through the same thing as you. And so that's another thing too. Like if you're hesitant, find someone that you work closely with and just say, Hey, like I want to submit for this, like this conference and let's do it together. And I guarantee you, like, they'll be like, Ooh, let me think about it. Or yeah, I would love that. Or no, I don't have the capacity right now. All of those are valid. Those responses. Um, so that's also something to consider. My first maybe three or four presentations, although my my bestie coworker wasn't presenting, like he wasn't a co-presenter, he would just come to all of my sessions and help me like make sure my tech was in place. Um, you know, and it was that support. So that was my friend Tyler. Um, and just having that also gave me the confidence because it was like, all right. This fall down, at least, you know, he could help carry me out of here. And so even if you can't get somebody to co-present with you, maybe you can just get somebody to co-exist and just come and be in the space with you and just help you. Like, cause you know, if my technology went out, I was like, come on, help me, you know? And so having that, I think for my first like three presentations really helped me. Cause I remember the first one I did on my own, I was like, where you at? But you know, I was like, guess you have to live your own life. But I was prepped, you know, and primed for that moment. So I would definitely say if you can't get somebody to say yes to actually being on a stage with you, just say, well, look, can you just be like my support? Just, you know, sit in the back of the room. Just I just, you know, need a familiar face in the in the space with me. And I tell you, that also made the world of a difference until now. It's like, all right, I can do this by myself. I'm good. You know, so. I suggest that. Oh, I really love that. The coexisting thing. And then it just also made me think about a teacher move that I used to do in the classroom of where I would give students cards with questions on them. So whenever I'm like, does anyone have any questions? Someone would like raise their hand and read the question that I'd wrote for them, but I'd written for them. But it's just like one of those things of like, okay, now, you know, there's not like that awkward silence. There's not like folks feel prepared to participate. And like, 
I love that. Coexist. Yes, yes. Again, going back to like community, right? Like we don't actually have to do things by ourselves. We can lean in and lean on folks that are in our circle. So thank you for that reminder, Cecilia. That just got me really excited. (laughs) Um, So listeners, we're going to take a quick break for an announcement. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Cecilia's time management skills because I'm sure y'all are like, yo, this is a lot. Hey there, listeners. This is Zach with the announcements and events for the upcoming week. As you know, at the Modern Classrooms Project, we believe deeply in student-centered learning, and we've seen it in classrooms all over the world. When you step down from the front of the classroom and commit to self-paced, mastery-based instruction, you are actually able to meet all students' needs. But we also know this style of teaching isn't necessarily mainstream. And if you're looking for support in launching a modern classroom, Join our free online course or sign up for our virtual mentorship program, where an expert educator can support and mentor you through creating your first fully self-paced unit. Scholarships are available, so visit modernclassrooms.org to apply and learn more. That info will also be in the show notes. Now, because the holidays are coming up, we only have one learning experience for you this coming week. Are you a DMCE and a mentor and want to connect with other DMCEs and mentors? I am. If so, join us on November 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for our Teacher Leader Gathering. And besides that, we hope that you're surrounded by loved ones and that you can rest and recharge and do something that brings you joy in this upcoming week. Now let's get back into it with Cecilia and Tony Rose. All right, and we're back with Cecilia. Okay. So again, right, Cecilia, I talked to you that like this month is all about time management. Time is really important. Um, and this is something that I always try to give back to our, our educators is time, right? And so when we think about this or when I think about it, I was just like sitting back about like all the things that I know about you. And so you're a teacher, mm-hmm. you're a parent, mm-hmm. and you still have time to submit proposals and attend conferences. How do you balance your time? Just just because really like, whoa. I'm not a parent and I, I'm struggling. <laughs> so. Yes. Um, this is the question that I, I really get a lot when people find out like everything that I actually do. And I said, well, I became a master of the calendar. And actually where I kind of really honed in on that skill was I'm in a doctoral program, which finally, hallelujah, I'm almost at the end of that. But my very first semester Uh, My professor, he was just like, you really have to sit down and you have to be intentional about your time and you block off things. And then whatever is not certain, like sometimes something has to give. Right. Like there are times I have to say no. And I tell my family and friends a lot of times I'm like, I have to say no to you in order to say yes to this other thing. But please know that I may come back, you know, because you can always turn around from a, a no into a yes and it's all good. It's harder to go from a yes to a no. But anyway, just becoming a master of that. And I really just block off things. And then I make sure that um, I do it that way. Now, I will say, honestly, sometimes I do have conflicts. Like tonight, I had a meeting, but I was like, okay, guys, I can't come to this meeting because I have this thing to do. And so I guess it all really boils down to prioritizing and then um, deciding what it's going to take you closer to whatever your goal is going to be. And then understanding and, and, and I always tell people, walk in your purpose, walking on your own journey, and then making sure that you block things off and realizing that you're going to have to say no to some things that 
That's pretty much it. I miss out on some things. But I'm like, anything that I missed out on, if it is truly meant, it will come back around to me and I will still have it, just not at that moment, but in another moment in time. And so that's that's how I am able to do it. And then the most important thing is everything that I do brings me joy. And so it doesn't become a task. It's because these are things that I actually like to do. That That's how I do it. And then I also think I'm a conference junkie. So I'm going to block up because of the feeling that I get when I'm around like-minded educators, because I do think, and I wish that all educators could experience that. Like when you get out the building, it really will refresh, reignite, because there was a point where I, I never told you I was ready to Pack it up. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then the back part of me was like, yeah, you do. You, you do. You just need to figure out what's going to bring you joy so that you can keep doing this thing that you really love. And so just making time for that and staying away from the things that weren't bringing me joy and say, oh, no, no. So that came at a cost of, OK, I'm not tutoring anymore at school. Why, why am I doing that when I could be writing a proposal for a conference, for example, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think people have to understand that there are trade-offs to where now it's like, okay, that little $70 I was getting extra a month. So now these other things that I do, that's bringing me way more than that. All because I let go of things that were no longer serving me and prioritizing things that were, and that were bringing me joy. Oh, now I feel like I'm part of the problem because I definitely rescheduled this call. (laughs) No, you're fine. This other meeting, I promise you, just got added. And so my whole thing, and like my kid, my kids even know, if it's not on the calendar, it isn't real. And if you add something with something I've already said yes to, then here goes the priority switch. And listen, the thing that I'm missing, I probably listen. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, I was just going to be a fly on the wall. So they would be okay without me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those. Situations. Yeah. Good. Okay. Who, who, again, like I said, I don't have kids and I'm barely taking care of myself. So thank you for like being so flexible and patient with like my rescheduling and all of that. And another thing that I really enjoyed too, Cecilia, that you said is that it's, it's easier to go from a no to a yes. I've never heard of that before. So this is new for me. And because I still struggle with saying no, because I want to just say yes to everything. Right. And so and that's so true because I I feel so bad when I say yes to something and then and then all of a sudden it's a no because I didn't prioritize what I needed to prioritize and I actually needed to rest as opposed to doing this thing. And so now I'm being resentful because I said yes and I should have said no. And I, I I'm going to keep that in mind again. So now you've given me Q-tip and then of course that it's easier to switch from a no to a yes. Like just blew my mind, blew my mind. Um, and I probably should utilize my calendar a lot more for blocking. Um, and also considering the fact that I'm all like neurodivergent, so it's really hard for me to like stay organized. So it's, it's all like a struggle and it's all like a beautiful struggle. Right. And so I really, again, just thank you for sharing that piece of prioritizing. And for the most part, something that I'm learning too, is that you're going to say no to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And because you're making space and time for all the yeses that are going to come in the future. And I completely just agree with your statement of just doing things that bring you joy, because that is what I'm doing. And 
it's like no job is perfect, right? And so when we think about like, okay, this is really frustrating in my job. How can I shift my perspective so that it's something that's actually going to bring me joy? Because there are some parts where it's not going to bring us joy. And at the same time, we can find that thing, right? To keep us going, that spark. And like you said, leaving the classroom, right? Leaving the school and interacting with other educators is very eye-opening and inspiring because sometimes us educators tend to just be in our four walls. And something that I learned from the conference that I went to in Georgia, it was a Georgia education technology conference, right? And one of the things that they said was that educators um, choose to be like by themselves, like with all the technology that's available, there's actually no way for us to not have a community because technology allows for this. And so if you decide to just stay in your four walls, that's actually a decision that you are making. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) I feel Mm -hmm. called out. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was just really interesting for me because now you're right. Like there's a lot of online spaces, a lot of like in-person things that folks can go and expand their brain. And when I went to a session in this conference, um, one of the, the presenters were saying some stuff that I was like, I don't think I know, like this is not resonate with me at all. Right. And instead of me fighting, which that was all I wanted to do was fight back <laughs> and, and just ask all the questions. I took a step back and I reflected and I was like, this is expanding my brain because this is not how I would think to say or present it in a way that they did. Mm -hmm. And so it just provided a space for me to be not angry, but like, oh, this is just another perspective. And I appreciate the perspective, right? So again, you just stated that you are getting your doctorate, which I'm like, I knew that. That in itself is like a time sucker, Cecilia. (laughs) (laughs) But I cannot wait to call you Dr. Gillum. So that I'm so excited about. Um, And you're like certified educator for so many ed tech tools. Like if folks see your signature banner, they would be like, holy cow, Cecilia knows a lot of things. And, and then you're like a DMCE, which the whole process itself is time, time consuming, you know, cause you went through and now you're on your way to mentor, which I'm like, yay, Cecilia's gonna be with us for longer. Um, What is your motivation behind getting certified? And how do you, again, decide which ones you want to be certified for or receive a badge for? Because there's so many options. And the ones that are on your signature, like banner, I'm like, yes, that, that, yes, 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 yes to all of it. So how do you make that decision? So when I find an ed tech tool that I really love, and I I guess it just also goes my personality, like, once I find something and I lock in, oh, I'm locked in. And it's like, okay, how can I make sure that I know this to the best of its ability? Because I always, I don't know, just want to make sure that I know. And then also, I'm going to be honest, a lot of these credentials that I got really originated from me feeling like I wasn't enough because of the school that I worked at. Which I'm now at the point, I'm like, you know what? I am so grateful that you all did that to me, 
that it expanded me in such a way that now, you know, I'm a force to be reckoned with all because you, you made me feel like nothing. And I felt like I had to have these certifications to quantify, to quantify and qualify who I, who I am. But in turn, in doing that and becoming a part of these communities, it really was like, oh, wait, oh my, I have arrived. Like I am with people. And that's how I, like I said, that's how I ended up staying in education was because I started getting around people who were more like me and making me feel whole. And so, you know, once you get one certification, you're like, because once you're in these communities and then you see other people's signatures and you're like, wait, hold up. Let me see. Wait, wait, you got that one? Oh, I'm going to get it, you know? And so um, that's really where I, I guess it all came from. And the whole ISTE certified educator thing, which I highly recommend educators go get. But I'm also going to, I'm not going to lie to you. That one, out of all of the certifications I've got, that one was the hardest, but it stretched me the most. But I wanted it because when I went to the ISTE conference and I was like, hold up now, you know, let me learn more because I love this thing. And I so anything that I really love, I lock in on and then I go after it so that I can be in like fully immersed into their network. And, you know, Cecilia, I'm really glad that you pointed out as well, the stemming from inside, right? Of just like, I didn't know, like, I just always felt like I had to prove something. And I've heard this before as well from educators of color mm-hmm. of just like, it just seems like I have to get certified mm-hmm. on something because then people will actually believe me. And I hate that for us. Like, I hate that for us. That is like the worst feeling in the world. It's like, well, we went to school to teach that our degree should be enough. And it in so many places, it's not. And that, I don't know what to do with that, right? Like, I don't know what to do with that. It's just a fact that like, that is a reality and, and it sucks. It sucks. Um, And I really like your perspective too of like, you know what? Thank you for doing this because now it's opened all of these doors and now I have all of these connections and I have all of these networking and I am expanding my brain. So thank you for that push. Mm -hmm. It just sucks that it had to be that way, you know? Yes, it does. Um, And I do hate that for us as well and that it came up. But like, if I'm really being honest in a hundred, it really did stem from that because I was in so many meetings. Because even though I am like this whiz with ed tech. Like I really was always a teacher. Everybody went to the fix stuff before I even realized my potential and my talent. You know, I, I was that person. And then when I started trying to expand to others, people would go to me. Yeah, but okay. You know, and then overlook but I'm like, wait, hold up. I'm, I'm here. I understand this thing, but I guess because of the way I look, you, you're going to diminish me. And of course, and I hate that we have to prove ourselves, but like I tell my students all the time, you know, you just have to do what you got to do until you get to where you got to get. And then once you get there, your job then is to try to change the trajectory for somebody else. So I'm like, if I open up these doors, of course, I'm coming back from other people. But I'm going to say, see, you know, we we can do these things. You should be listening. And it really shouldn't matter who's delivering the message if you can see, you know, the benefits and the value. But, you know, I've been through that. And of course, because I'm I think a lot of that's because I'm deep south, because when I do go with other People and they hear my story. It's like oh, it's definitely not like that up here. I'm saying, well, I went down in the bottom of the boot, and it is like that. But again, they are really why I started doing the things that I'm doing. I'm like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like they, they even closed the doors to administration. I was like, and now I don't even want to be an administrator. So I thank them 
for that because had I gone into being an AP when I thought I wanted to be one about two or three years ago time escapes me, but I wouldn't be a expert mentor for a modern classroom because I wouldn't even been in a classroom anymore at that point. So me and you wouldn't even be having this conversation. I probably wouldn't even been at that conference because why? So that's why now I walk more and I listen more to that. And I'm like, when something closes, I now know that it was for a purpose, even though I thought that I wanted it. It's just having that faith and, you know, kind of believing. And so that's really where like all of this stuff stems from. And it's just wanting to learn because I feel like as an educator, I have not arrived. And so many times I go in spaces where educators, I, I know it all. And I'm like, no, you don't. I don't know it all. That's why I keep learning. That's why I keep growing. That's why I keep getting these certifications and getting these badges, because it pushes me to become a edu- more, you know, just robust educator. And then, you know, understanding and learning. So I, that's why I tell people I'm a lifelong learner and I'm probably going to keep learning till the day I die. Until it's time for me to leave this place, I will probably still be adding more certifications on just because I love it. Not even because sometimes people think, oh, you do it because, um, you know, you, you want recognition. Because now at my job, I, I really do believe that they think that I'm doing all these things because I want somebody in leadership position. I'm like, can y'all can keep that. That's not the goal. <laughs> That's not the mission. I promise you. The mission is just to continue to learn and be around like-minded people. And if that's as far as I go in education, that's good enough for me. You know, it's it's good enough for me because I'm getting to do what I love and presenting and bringing others on. So that's where it is. I'm going to be quiet on that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're bringing so much joy into this as well, right? And I think like the proposals that you're writing and the, con- the conferences and the sessions that you're leading, people can feel that. And that's why you continue to have folks show up for you, which I think is just such a beautiful thing, right? And like you said, that fills up your cup, right? Like it did start with this like really awful thing. And then now it's become like, no, I actually really do love it because it does expand my brain. And, you know, it's funny because as you were talking and, you know, you were saying, when I get the certificate and you're talking to your students about it, you know, it, now it's our turn to just like shape the trajectory of others, right? Behind us. And in my head, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna be petty. I want to be petty. And I want to just be like, bam. <laughs> That's where the email signature came from because, you know, a couple of parents, they was trying me. And so I said, you know what? Let me just go ahead and let you know who I am. Because sometimes you do. And so now yeah. whenever I email you, you're going to see everything that I did. And so now what? You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. I'm going to tell people like with the Modern Classroom Project, especially when it's a student's first time. And I find more with the, well, I'm just saying this, in my experience with the AP or honors level, that is where I got the most challenge from with parents like this year, literally a parent emailed me. He's like, um, is this something where you went to a conference and you learn, you know, overnight and now you're doing this? And I was like, I say, excuse me, sir, let me let you know one thing about me. Once I love something, I'm going to keep going. I'm actually a distinguished modern classroom um, educator. And I took it a further step and became an expert mentor. So no, this is not a fly by night thing. This is something your child is going to be immersed in. And like now my students <clears throat> to the point now it's like, Miss Gillum, did you make that video? And I'm like, excuse me, you 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 wanted a video? You get what I'm saying? Because now they they are just so used to the way that the modern classroom project is that now they're starting to see the value and you know less of the parents. So really, I'm gonna be honest. That email signature was birthed 
from a parent playing with me. And I, and I had to put all my stuff <laughs> on blast. And then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of cute. So we're going to keep it. But that is where that birthed from. So you was on it when you said, bam, I'm going to put it in your face because I am. <laughs> Yes, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Like, and, and that's again, like good for you. Good for you. And I, again, I'm just so happy that you're here. And I know that your students are always constantly raving about how you, how you teach as well. And that has everything to do with who you are as a teacher, right. And how you've implemented the model as well to make it more accessible and more inclusive for your students, which is really exciting. And for the parents who question, right. Like, Cool. Yes. Question away. Because again, this is a scary new thing that we're doing. And parents and caregivers also are aware of like all the quote unquote initiatives and new things that like folks are like putting out there and then like not even doing any kind of research. Right. And so I'm glad that you were able to say like, no, like I'm a distinguished modern classroom educator and I'm a mentor as well, where I'm like helping educators all over the world on how to disrupt the traditional way of teaching and learning to make it even more engaging and student self, like student centered. So uh, that, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love, what's that saying, Cecilia? It's like play and you're going to find out or something like try, what is, what is that saying that's going around now? It's like, try me and you're going to find out or no, it, it's, it's got explicit words. Never mind. They know. <laughs> and if you don't know, Google it. <laughs> they know. They know. Uh, okay. So what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have, Cecilia? So what I hope to see in the future is that more teachers will embrace this process um, and join in on a modern classroom project because now every single presentation I do, I always, always plug Modern Classroom Project. And I always tell them this. I say, you know, you come into my presentation. Typically, it's a 60, maybe 75 minute one. I'm giving you an overview. But if you really want in-depth, you want the pedagogy, you want like the understanding, please know that you are going to have to do more work. You know, and I send them to the website and say, but and they also give scholarships. So apply, you know, I try to get your district, but I always let people know I'm a scholarship recipient. Okay, no shame in the game. Um, so I just hope that more teachers, and like I tell them, how I got to where I've gotten with the Modern Classroom Project and the flip classroom, all that was I took one lesson. I started at one lesson. And from there, you begin to build up a repertoire. And I, like I said in the beginning, that one of my lessons flopped. It failed. But I, I asked myself, okay, what can I do better for the next one? Like, what did I like? What didn't I like? And then the next lesson, do that. And so that's what I tell a lot of people, because sometimes even like I'm a mentor teacher in my school and one of my mentees, she tried it, but she didn't do like the front end work. And a lot of people want to skip the training them on a process or going through the unit zero. And I said, well, yeah, <laughs> do the unit zero. And you didn't like fully, you know, and just understanding that you this is not a microwave. This is an oven because <clears throat> I always tell people, how do you think, like to me personally, food tastes better when it's cooked in the oven versus the microwave. And so <laughs> your classroom, you have to look at it the same way. If we're going to use that analogy, that this is something that's going to take time. This is not a instant thing here and, you know, and sticking with it. So I just hope and pray that more teachers will stick with it. The fight is worth the fight. Please know that I had to fight my administrators, too. Please know that I've got an evaluation that wasn't stellar because my evaluator didn't fully understand the modern classroom project. 
And so my score suffered. But because I believe in with this, like in, anytime I'm in, I'm in. Forget what they say, because again, it's for my kids. And so I took that, you know, I took that low score. But then the next time she came in and finally she understood. And so I would tell people that like, it is not going to be pretty, but just keep with it. And so I really hope, so that's my goal to just let teachers know, keep going, keep going. And it's all going to fall into place. Like literally one more thing on this. It was so funny. Um, So my kids were immersed in this virtual reality ex- experience where the people had to come in and observe my class. Now, I, told you, I do modern classroom project. So when they came in and it was like, wait, do we need to come back? I was like, you're I'm not the deliverer of the thing, because I think they thought that they were going to come see me doing all this stuff. And I was like, no, <clears throat> my kids like, you know, they knew everything to do. I, I was like, I'm just here. I'm their support. I'm their guide. But I'm not the sage on the stage. And so it's just really interesting. And then she said, oh, because I don't think like she's ever seen an actual modern classroom run where I literally, like I tell people all the time, like I'm not up in the front, like the first 10 to 15 minutes we do. I always do my call together and then you free, you know, you go do what you need to do based on what's going on for the day. And then we do our little rotations and stations. And so that was just, it was just so interesting to me. And I was like, girl, this is modern classroom. Come on, get with it, get with it. Yes. And I think another thing that throws people off too is that, um, and not throw them off, but they just don't know, right? Like when you walk in, in their heads, they just visualize the teacher in the front of the room. And if you're not in front of the room, it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? You're not teaching. And that that's a phrase that we hear common. Like we hear that pretty often from students. And um, and then also now from like admin too, right? Like, hey, you're not teaching. You're not in front of the classroom. But then when you sit with any student, any student who is in a modern classroom that is done efficiently and effectively, every student can tell you exactly what they are doing and exactly what the expectations are of that class. And that, I could never do that in a traditional way. Like when I was lecturing, yo, probably one kid could tell you what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But when I switched to modern classroom, literally, Every single student can say, hey, I'm on this lesson. Everyone else may be doing other things, but this is what I'm working on. And then I have like practice and then I have my mastery check. That's where I get my mastery check. If I need any help, I can talk to my teacher this way or that way. Or like I put my thing wherever I need to so to just to showcase that I need help or whatever. And I'm just like, yes, I would much rather speak to students than to teachers when I come into classrooms, because then I know that whatever the student is telling me, the teacher told them. So that in itself, I don't need to have a conversation with the teacher. I can, I just want to talk to the kids and and see what they're doing. Right. So yes, yes, yes. And yes. Thank you so much for that. Cecilia. Okay. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, yes, we love Cecilia. We want to hear more from Cecilia. Um, How can our listeners connect with you? So they can connect with me on Twitter, X, whatever it is these days, um, at Cecilia, C-E-C-E-L-I-A, 21082. I also have a TikTok so that you can actually see what my students are doing. Um, So I am at 210CC on uh, TikTok, so you can always go there. And everything else is pretty much under, usually you can find me on a Cecilia 21082. Like, that's pretty much my handle. Perfect. And I didn't even know you're on TikTok. So now I'm going to go and add you on TikTok as well, just so that I can see all the cool things that you're doing. Uh, And so Cecilia, as always, you and I have so much fun together. And I just, 
Oh, I love your presence so much. And I'm so glad that you're a part of my circle. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just, again, saying yes and blocking time to have this conversation just so that our listeners can learn more about you. Um, and so listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 165. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday. So be sure to check back to access those. Also, we are asking our listeners to leave a review if this podcast has been helpful in supporting you to create a blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning environment. It does help other folks find it. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Cecilia, thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.